Tim and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Well, good morning, fellas. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, everybody. Morning. So, you know, as we record today, I I, I confess to Paul and uh, Tim and Wayne that it occurred to me that I probably should have posted last week's episode by now. So if you're if you're you know wondering, huh, last week's episode sure was late and this one sure is close to that episode, that's because Aaron's a putz. And forgot you're making to the assumption that you're going to release this one in a decent amount of time there. <laughs> there there is that. Well he'll just uh, post yeah, them at the yeah. same time. <laughs> Here you go. It's it's two for Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> it's BOGO. Yeah. You go. Buy one, get one. Yeah. But not yeah. even get it, it's G O G O. It's go go. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have to buy anything. Yeah. This is free. I I have been traveling, traveling, traveling for work, and you know, I, I am just I'm just consumed with uh, travel stuff right now. So my apologies that that didn't get done. It's okay, Aaron. This time. Yeah, I know. Well, I, I know that there's going to be a remark in my uh, in, in 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 my file. Yes. You know. You know. Paul's going to have one of those. I'm not angry, Aaron. I'm just disappointed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? Be mad at the yeah. situation, not the person, Aaron. I'm not uh, mad at I you. I just wish that the episode had been up earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not mad at you, Aaron. I just wish you were a better person. You know, <laughs> I'm just disappointed. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I I will endeavor to do better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I'm but I'm not convinced said, that you'll actually do better, but but that said, the great thing about being in all these strange hotel rooms, other than all the hookers, is uh, you know time to watch some TV late at night. And uh, boy, there's a lot of TV to watch. Yes. So like is. I'm on. Uh, I'm on like episode seven of Luke Cage. Uh, I had time to to watch uh, Flashpoint this week. I had time to I uh, see. I watched Timeless, and you know, for for our Longmire friends, I'm like four episodes into that. So you know, it's been a productive week in, in terms of uh, TV watching at about one o'clock in the morning. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you guys see that there was a new Sons of Anarchy spinoff possibly coming? Uh... Yes, which they've been talking about that for a while. That's the it's featuring the uh, Mayans, which was uh, one of the su- group of supporting characters in the in the Sons of Anarchy. So it's telling the the story from the you know uh, Mexican American point of view. I I can't wait. I, I don't know about you, Tim, but I can't wait. Um, getting the guy back who is in charge is a, is a must for that show for me, though. It sounds I mean, like he, he's the one who teased it. So. He is. Well, and he are you talking about the producer Kevin Sutter or uh, no, uh, no, the the guy, the guy I don't remember their names. The guy, the guy that was in charge of the mines every time they yeah, showed he's up. in it. He's in it. They they, right. they released a, a cast picture. So okay, I'm interested. Yeah, no, I'm down. I'm down. I, I'm super excited about that. You know, I've never I'm seen not an sure episode I... of Sons of Anarchy. Just putting that Shut out there. Up, Paul, you're terrible. I mean, not for lack of trying. <laughs> it's just a matter of so only so many hours in a day. I don't. I don't think you're. I don't think you're hardcore enough to watch something in her. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, you know, it's because Paul P's sitting down. Well, yeah. You know, he just. He's he's just got too many lady parts to enjoy Sons of Anarchy. He's he's too busy going to roller coasters or some bullshit, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, Paul? Maybe you can jump. Maybe you can jump on when they do Mayans with 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 me and Aaron. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, it sounds. I'm curious about it. So. Oh, I get it. He watches the Hispanic Motorcycle Club show. 
Well, yes. I get it. Something I can identify yeah. with. Uh-huh. <laughs> I see. Your cultural loyalty is showing, Paul. <laughs> well, you know, let, let's face it. He's watching Dance Moms instead. <laughs> you know, my cultural loyalty would is showing. I think my dad would disagree with you. so you know i i have uh shared in the past how i send paul you know uh pictures from chicas locas from Mm -hmm. their instagram feed and so uh, i have created a group on instagram for uh those of us who attend mancon that are on instagram and so i send pictures you know things that i find amusing on instagram and so last night i sent uh uh, a Chicas Locus image to uh, the Mancon crew. And I was cracked up by two re- by two responses in particular. One was from uh, James, who said, I regret that I only have one like to give this image. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the other was from Chris, who said, I'm conflicted about this image. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> I was just very, very tickled by both of those remarks. I haven't even seen this image because I was out last night. So I will investigate this uh-huh. image. Oh, yeah, I see it. It's a butt. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I see it. It's a butt. Yeah. There you go. What I like response. it <laughs> I kind of figured. I kind of figured James lost his invitation to that group after last year. Oh, James. <laughs> So, so let, anywho, let's, so let's talk television. about some TV. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lots of new shows starting up. We're, we are, you know, at the very tippy top of the fall season. And uh, like Aaron mentioned, he saw Flashpoint this week. Yeah. And Aaron, I, I saw it as well. Did you other guys see it? Other guys. You other, unnamed other gentlemen on this podcast. Did <laughs> you see it? Yes. I watched Flashpoint. Nope. All right. So uh, Timmy's the guy who didn't see it. So we'll keep it fairly spoiler free. Um, I, I will say I was I, I will say I'm very surprised a that they resolved resolved it mostly in one episode. Uh, I was very surprised by that, that they didn't drag it on for a couple more, because I think there was a lot of room to tell story there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, so that that was surprising to me. But it does reset the playing field and gives him a new status quo uh, there in Central City. You know, we we at, at the end of the episode, things are different for him. You know, they're 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 back to normal, but they're not normal. Uh, and I thought that was pretty interesting. But it was nice in the Flashpoint universe to get him to, to let him be happy for just a little bit. Right. Yeah. yeah. That was the interesting thing is it surprised me. I expected the universe to be a really horrible universe that was created. Yeah. Just like the comic right? books. Yeah, you expected it to be dystopian where everything's just off. But no, yeah. he created, with the exception of a, of a couple of things, it was almost a perfect universe for him. Though yeah. I got to tell you, I was highly amused that, you know, he, he he goes back at the end of the last season and stops his mother from being killed. And so he resets the universe in a new timeline where his mom and dad are both alive you know, because his mother wasn't murdered, his father is never sent to, to prison for a crime he didn't commit. And he, uh, Barry, is living with his parents. <laughs> and in this episode, that's the whole thing that Barry wanted is he just wanted to be with his parents. And so what does the episode open up with? But his parents like going, hey, we understand the neighbors have a room for rent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, trying to get him out of the house, which cracked me up. I just I thought that was hysterical. 
You know, I don't know about you guys. It sounds like you enjoyed it. I don't know that I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was kind of weak. I expect it. I mean, you know, don't. I understand that you come in with preconceived notions when you have a, t- a title of Flashpoint, right? Right. Um, now, that being said, they used the title of Flashpoint to play into those preconceived notions. And for what it's worth, for me, didn't do anything with it. Um, you know, it, it was basically like a, you know, a Christmas episode where, you know, they he has imaginary, you know, an imagined universe where things work out okay, but it's not really okay. And I, for me, it just, it didn't resonate with me, um, th- this season premiere. It certainly wasn't as strong as some of the other episodes from the first and second seasons. And I, I'm, I'm I a little like- concerned that this season may not, that I may, that I may be on flash burnout. I felt like the the show was not as strong as I wanted it to be, but I thought that it was it was a uh, I felt like it was a solid episode of Flash, and I do feel like it was setting the table for the rest of the season. You know, the the where it leaves off at the end of the episode, you're like, holy shit! And keep in mind, there's a lot of people we didn't see in this episode, and I wonder if they're still around. If the fact that he reset the universe has some of those characters just absent. Or if they are significantly changed, like we saw Cisco in the Flashpoint setting, yeah. which, by the way, Cisco in the Flashpoint setting was pretty awesome. <laughs> he was, Just, but I mean, it took five minutes to get everything back to status quo in the Flashpoint universe. Right. Um, you know. Yeah, it, no, we didn't spend enough time there. The stakes weren't high enough. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the issue. I, I wanted there to be more reason to change it back. I yeah. wanted it to be a dystopian. I wanted him to see that, you know. His choice made this horrible thing. I wanted to see him agonize more over it because, you know, the the choice that he has to make at the end of the episode, he should have. It was almost like, oh, okay, that's what I've that's what I've got to do. Right. That should have been almost a full episode of him agonizing over that. That's my my only complaint is that we didn't spend enough time there. We didn't get to spend enough time with characters we didn't know or, you know, characters with new spins on them. Yeah, um, I, I think, Aaron, you hit the nail on the head for me. They didn't spend enough time there, and it, the stakes weren't high enough. Uh, yeah. And ultimately, I mean, what was so bad about the universe that he needed to to, to basically have this guy kill his mother? I mean, it's not like he, you know, it, you know, in, in our Flashpoint universe, right, um, in the Flashpoint comic books, when, when this actually happened, Barry had a legit reason for having to go back and, and let that happen. Yeah, but the world not, is horrible and about to be destroyed. And- but this made it, but it's funny because this one, you know, the emotional beat was there that I need you to go back and kill my mother. Um, but he seemed like, you know, Barry was almost more of an active participant in it um, than he was in the comics. So it's like he was an active participant in the murder of his mother. He, it's not like he just stopped himself. You know, it's not like he said, hey, d- you can't do this. Like he actually stopped the other Flash to let Reverse Flash kill his mother. And for what, ultimately? You know, I I, I felt like it, it was a bit forced. Yeah. No, no, I agree. I agree. But again, I think that the intent of the episode was to just set the table for the rest of the season yeah. rather than to spend time there. And, you know, they've got, what, 22, 24 episodes a season. I think they could have committed two or three episodes to it. Exactly. In fact, you know, that's one of the things that I think Enterprise did really well, you know, Star Trek Enterprise mm-hmm. in its last season where those three episode arcs 
it wasn't so, you know, like a, a, a season long story arc, but you got to spend time in a story and really examine all the corners of the setting. Um, oh yeah. Uh, the, uh, uh, the mirror universe episodes were so yeah. good. Well, and it was the first and, time we got to spend that much time over there, really. Yeah, and the Augment episodes. I mean, all those three-story arcs or three-episode arcs in Enterprise were fantastic, and I wish that was a model that more TV shows utilized. You know, the reason why they did it in Enterprise is so, so that they wouldn't have to uh, build new sets for each episode. It was a cost-saving measure, but it really supported the, the, the series, you know, and it really made those, those episodes more like uh, movies – you know, three-part movies versus, you know, a three-part television series. Um, but I, I think that, that shows like, you know, Flash, Arrow, et cetera, would benefit from that because I, I think one of the things that I experience in these TV shows is I get I get uh, story arc fatigue. You know, when we're chasing something for the entire, you know, uh, run of the you know 20 plus episode season, that gets to wear you out. And, you know, when you think about it in terms of Supernatural, you know, and I stopped watching Supernatural a couple of seasons ago, mm-hmm. but, you know, Supernatural, you're like, come on, let's get back to the main storyline, you know, because that's where all the good stuff happens, right? Yeah, like X-Files <laughs> um, to a certain extent. Yeah, you know, let's get back to the mythology, you know, that we're chasing versus these one-offs. And sometimes find, the one-offs... I say, I find uh, with the exception of, like, the Netflix series, because those I'm, uh, I marathon... I want to see I want every episode to have some form of closure. So if if you're watching individual episodes, you don't feel like you've uh, just watched a slice of it. And then I want big moments of progress or closure throughout the season. I like the season long story arcs, but I need I I need milestones. Right. No, I, I agree. I mean, I like I like the fact that stories interconnect throughout the season. Um, you know, I don't want season one of Star Trek, the original series, where every episode stands alone. Every episode resets the characters back to where they started and the characters don't remember what happened the week before. I want, you know, it to be a continuum where the characters remember what happened before. And sometimes those characters pop back up and sometimes, you know, one episode builds on another. I think that's I, I, that's the, the strength of episodic television. Mm-hmm. I just I just would prefer that we have some mini story arcs that maybe we spend a little bit more time in, but it not run an entire season. So that that would be my recommendation for 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 the superhero shows in general, particularly Flash and Arrow. But who watched Arrow this week? I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I know one of you guys did. Yep, I watched Arrow. And how was it? I I was not hooked based on the uh, the premiere. Uh, Arrow himself as a character, I think, is taking some steps back. They, you know, they broke up the team at the finale of the last one. So they're going to start this season with a whole recruiting new teams. And it's it's going to be all minor comic characters that have existed, but are, you know, nobody really knows much about. Like Wild Dog and and Vigilante. Exactly. And I just don't care. I don't care about these characters. I'm oh, not. I love Vigilante. I, I like them in the comics, but. Just not your thing. Yeah, I like Vigilante in the comics some, but he hasn't really he hasn't come into the show yet. It's in episode one. But I don't know. I just I get frustrated with Arrow sometimes. 
And yeah. Arrow is one of the big examples of the season-long story arc without the big milestones. Yeah, you know, for me, I find... We, we, you know, we were talking about these 22-episode seasons. I think TV really needs to... Uh, especially shows like the, the Flash and The Arrow and Supernatural and all those shows. I think that we need to re-examine American television. And I, I feel like some networks are and some networks aren't. And I think CW needs to re-examine these 22, 23-episode seasons. Um, yeah. You know, Flash and Arrow... I feel like I would love them a lot more if they were 12 episode seasons or 13 episode seasons that had a focus that you didn't have to have filler episodes. Um, you know, I, I, one thing we didn't list on here is have any of you guys uh, watched Westworld? Not yet. That's no. that, that is that is a I'm watching that today. Guys, it is, it is so fucking good. Yeah, <laughs> it is so good. good. And, um, you know, it's a 13 episode season and you can tell that they it's written by Jonathan Nolan and um, you can tell that they are going to be focused. In fact, you know, uh, uh, lots of folks were concerned because it got delayed and then they, they finally came out and said, guys, we didn't delay it because there were issues. We delayed it so that we could map out a five year plan so that we could start planting the seeds now that'll pay off at the end. So it's one cohesive storyline rather than having to fill in the blanks as we went along. So, they, so they're Jay Michael straczynski it. Yeah, they have basically plotted out the series, <laughs> um, which I appreciate, you know, that there are things that they're setting up now that will pay off later, um, you know, rather than making it up as they went along, like Lost or to a certain yeah. extent X-Files. Yeah, don't get me started, you know, man. The making it up as they go along can work for a season or so, but it leaves, it gets frustrating very quickly. Like, Lost was fascinating until you realized they had no clue what was going on. Yeah. And, and no plan, you know. Uh, and so I appreciate that they went for it. And I, I, I really got to say, we're going to talk about four shows today. And I've only seen Flash. But Westworld, the first episode is like an hour and a half long, um, which Ooh. I noticed HBO has been doing with their first episodes. Because the night of the first episode was like an hour and a half long. Um, mm -hmm. But it was it was really good. Boy, I really didn't like the night of. Neither did I, especially yeah, the I, way it ended. Well, I only watched the first episode and not even all of the first episode because I was like, well, this guy's just making one stupid choice after another. I, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just I done. Oh, you know, one thing. I, I, this is not necessarily a genre show, but are any of you guys watching Designated Survivor with uh, uh, Sutherland? Uh, no, I've wanted to. I, just, I, I have not even heard of it. No. It, it the the show is it's an ABC show and it is uh, you know at the State of the Union uh, one member of the uh, of the uh, gosh the uh, it's not the Joint Chiefs of Staff but one one member of the government sits out in in hiding so if something terrible happens at the State of the Union uh, you have a a person who can assume the government uh, role of president and uh, so terrorists hit Congress. Everybody, you know, dies in Washington except just a handful of people. And so Kiefer Sutherland, who is the the uh, uh, who is over uh, housing and urban development, winds up becoming president. It's pretty good. Hmm. I've watched uh, the first two episodes of it. It's pretty good. So I do recommend that one, I'm though. He makes some spectacularly stupid decisions. I would be a much better president than him. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, as the designated survivor, I, I'd watch that show. 
Yeah, you know, I'm I'm sorry. You know, there are just some decisions that you make. Like he can't figure out who to make his chief of staff. I'm like, hire a retired chief of staff. Somebody doesn't even matter if they're from your political party. They at least know how to run the show. Yeah. You know, what, what are you doing? And he's like, I could pick this person or this person because they're close to me. I'm like, yeah, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're a terrible that, president. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So uh, one show that you did watch that I'm very curious to hear about was Timeless. Yeah, I watched that last night. And, uh, you know, it is it tells the story of some, uh, you know, Elon Musk sort of uh, character who builds a time machine. His time machine gets stolen. But fortunately, he's got the his prototype time machine, which runs but runs rough. And so he assembles a team in association with uh, the United States government to go back in time and chase the guys who stole the original time machine who are trying to reset time for their own purposes. And so in the very first episode, they're trying to change the outcome of the Hindenburg disaster. And so, you know, you've got number one, you got a Zeppelin in the first episode and a lot of Zeppelin action, uh, which was a ton of fun. Um, I dug it. I thought I thought the episode was was a lot of fun. It reminds me. I, this might not be a ringing endorsement for some people, but it it reminds me a lot of the Time Tunnel, that 1960s show. Uh, and I always dug that when I was a kid. And this this was just a lot of fun. And it updates nicely. In fact, you know there is a, a wonderful line. They send uh, one of the technical guys to run the Time Sphere, and you know he's a black fella, and he's like, there is literally. No place in American history that's cool for me. I don't want to do this. And they're like, well, you have to do it. You're the guy. And so, I mean, so they're not. I saw that in the preview, and that's one of the things that sold me on the show, that they were dealing with that. Yeah, they're not whitewashing history. It's not one of these shows where they just pretend that, you know, all the terrible things that we've done in their past, uh, you know, didn't happen. Um, you know, they're not Disneyfying history. <laughs> uh, so it, it's nice to see. I, you know, I hope that doesn't wear too thin episode after episode. But I, I it was played nicely in the pilot. And for a pilot, I thought it was pretty damn strong. Um, yeah, so I looking, have the fear that they may have shot their budget on the pilot based on I the, had, uh, the previews. The yeah, I share the same fear because they, they they had some really nice CGI effects in that first episode. Um, you know, so, you know, they may be doing a lot of, of, uh, you know, canned footage from here on out, but the first episode was strong and I'm going to, I'm going to continue watching for a little while longer at least. So glad to hear that. Cause you know how much I love time travel. Shows. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, so I've got it recorded. Like, I just haven't watched it yet. Unlike legends of tomorrow, you know, which is a show we've complained about previously. This is a time travel show. This show actually has consequences. And, you know, like at the end of the episode, the history changed, you know, and, and in a significant way. And, you know, the writers are taking it from, OK, well, you know, if this changes, what rolls out from that and what will our characters experience? So it's kind of nice to see that, particularly in the first episode, that we're not having to wait for a consequence, you know, uh, 12 episodes in. We got it in the first episode. And you know, I'm hoping that we continue to see that sort of unspooling of uh, time and actually see some consequences. So it was nice. So I was uh, watching I finally went back to keep watching the uh, Legends of Tomorrow just because I have them all recorded because I yeah. never finished it because it got really bad. And yeah. I have to say, I it's not that I enjoyed the episode, but I really enjoyed Jonah Hex. I don't know if you got far enough to watch the Jonah Hex episode, Aaron. I did. 
I, I felt like Jonah Hex was underused. I I thought the actor did a good job of portraying him, and Agreed. I get such a kick out of any time Jonah Hex shows up, and it's one of the first things he says is, okay, when are you from? Yeah. No, I, I thought that was great. I just felt like he should have been used more in that episode. I mean, if you yeah, got a character like Jonah the, Hex, use the hell out of him. In fact, he, he should have been the cornerstone the of the episode. Yeah, and he should have joined the team. I mean, how that cool would that have been? Awesome. You know, kill off one of the ridiculous characters on that team, one of the extraneous ridiculous characters on that team, and have Jonah Hex ride with them. I'd be down for that. But, you know, one of the things I find interesting, Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, all stream on Netflix. Legends of Tomorrow does not. I think they're waiting until closer to when the season starts. Yeah, which is only in a week or so. Yeah, because Supergirl didn't show until uh, recently. So I'm wondering if that's it. Maybe it's not out on DVD yet. I don't know. Uh, I've been waiting DVD, but usually that's what happens is right before it goes, the new season starts is when it hits Netflix. Well, I've been waiting to delete the remaining eight episodes or whatever off of my DVR, uh, but I'm waiting for it to hit Netflix before I do that. So I'm I'm quite annoyed. CW, I'm (laughs) looking at you. (laughs) So have we talked about all of our TV? Oh, no, we haven't talked about Luke Cage. So nope. last last week, uh, I had seen the first episode and, and gave a non-spoiler uh, preview. And now I think a couple of you guys have watched. So, Tim, how deep are you into Luke Cage? Uh, I just finished episode four. Oh, look at you. And and, and Wayne, have you started? Nope. Uh, Polly? No, sir. You haven't started. Wow. So no, Tim, I just haven't let, a chance. Timmy, let's not spoil anything, but give me your impressions. You know, it took a little while for me to warm warm up to it. Uh-huh. Um, I, I would agree with you that you said the writing in the first one, it was just a little slow. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think it, it's ramped up significantly. Um, one of the things that I expected to happen um, happened in episode two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they set something up and I'm like, yeah, it's – that's not going to be around long. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it really isn't going to be around long. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, I sort of feel like they did that a little too fast to me. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I, I, I like, I needed more of that, I guess is what I'm saying. But yeah. what well, it does set the tone for the rest of the season. So oh, if the rest yeah. of the season's on, on a, you know, on that, on the, that level of speed, then I'm good. Yeah. Cause yeah, it, it does speed it, it up to kick up a little. Yeah, it does. It does speed up. I'm on. I started episode seven last night. Um, I will say that they're doing some non-standard storytelling, uh, which I like. I do feel like that the dialogue just isn't nearly as sharp as uh, Daredevil or Jessica Jones. And it feels very uh, stylized. It feels, you know, it. It feels like dialogue that you would expect to see in a 1970s black exploitation film versus, you know, uh, a a Marvel film. And, you know, if that's the, the feeling that they're going for, that's great. It just doesn't seem to be working for me. Uh, I want these these characters to have more genuine, authentic conversations versus, you know, talking like stereotypes. Yeah, there's there's some of that. Yeah. Um, I really like seeing juice. <laughs> yeah, and that, I thought you'd like that Jews yeah. from Sons of Anarchy. I, I thought you, I thought you, you know, shades. <laughs> you know, I, what's funny is that you know I, I liked Juice in Sons of Anarchy, but he's hardly a badass, right? No, you know? 
And so he's very much a badass in, in this and very threatening and, and you know, uh, intimidating. And I'm just I, – I keep – I'm like, but that's juice. Juicy. <laughs> <laughs> you know – was this the first thing? Because I told I told Juanita that he was in it, and she's like, "Well, is he a little sniveling bastard?" <laughs> like, no, no, he's not, not at all. <laughs> and yeah. she's like, "Is he a bad guy?" I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah. like, but he's really good." <laughs> without without providing any spoilers, we do get some uh, great background on some of the characters that I thought was was kind of surprising in episode six. And I got to tell you, I sat there going, you know, they have done a marvelous job of creating this this very deep, tragic character. So I do think that that while the dialogue is somewhat stereotypical, some of the background on the characters is just so three dimensional, uh, so well textured. I mean, it's like it's like I wish that they they weren't trying to uh, achieve this you know, shaft sort of feel in the film, in the TV show and really focus more on, on that authentic character kind of thing, because the, the character studies that they've done on, on two characters in particular that were very surprising to me were just fantastic. Were just fantastic. And I'll add this one, one, one additional bit. It's got a great soundtrack. I mean, I, I totally need to get the Luke Cage soundtrack because uh, the music in, in the episode, which in the in the series, which features prominently, uh, is just terrific. Yeah. Well, yeah, the nightclub is pretty much uh, this is why we're selling a CD. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it just me or is, is Remy Denton kind of an idiot? <laughs> you know, all of a sudden he's become I mean, have you noticed that he's doing a a. Uh, commercial for the uh, the baseball playoffs and i just i don't know no so he, he does this long commercial where it's just him talking about how cool baseball is and whatnot okay. and i'm like when did all of a sudden you become like the cool guy you know because you know i know him from uh uh house of cards gosh, house of cards thank you and then there was a i think he was on 4400 before that yeah uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, so I know him from from, you know, 4400 uh, House of Cards and now this. But all of a sudden he's become a you know, pretty big personality. Who was he on uh, 4400? Because that's the only one of those shows I watched. He was the he wasn't he was the black guy. <laughs> I hate to put it in those terms. But, yeah, I uh, think there was only was, one. He was the, I, and I believe he was married to a white woman. If I, It's been a long okay. time since I watched 4400. Um I can't remember what his power was. It has been a long time since I watched 4400, but I remember the show. Um, And I like him. I like the actor, and I've liked what I've seen him in. Uh, But it just kind of cracks me up because all of a sudden he he is – they've they've painted him with this sort of Samuel L. Jackson cool brush in these uh, baseball commercials. just kind of cracks me up. Um, Well, without spoiling it. He sort of likes to get his own hands dirty. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. And that what seems kind of stupid. <laughs> I I love the the image of Biggie that he's got in his office. <laughs> that is pretty cool. I just you like my picture of Biggie. <laughs> the the thing they did with that is like he, they they had the they had the forward shot of Biggie and him in the background, and he walked oh. forward just perfect to, so that the crown into the crown. Oh, oh, that was sweet. Fucking awesome! It was a great shot. It was a yeah. great shot. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he likes to get his, his own hands dirty. And, and that just, uh-huh. that, that seems like a poor choice. You know, yeah. <laughs> learn something from Wilson Fisk. He didn't get caught until he got his own hands dirty. That's right. I'm just, uh, I'm right. just saying, Remy, what one, the of hell? These, one, one of these days, these guys will learn. Maybe one of these days. But yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that uh, Paul and Wayne haven't joined us on the Luke Cage train, but uh, it's out there for you, boys. Take a sick there, day. Yeah. And there's only <laughs> one white guy in Harlem, by the way. Man, no doubt. And, and no I'm, doubt. And while I'm OK with that, without spoiling, it's like, oh, <laughs> well, and I mean, you, you've got a, a few uh, Chinese people, but that's about it. Yeah. You know, it, it is very much black Harlem. Well, you know, you've got the you've got the Hispanic gang too. Yeah, but they're, they're the guy they who eats only, Milky Ways and stuff. Whatever that they was. Only, they only come into town to visit, though. They're coming. They're coming into the neighborhood. They don't live in the neighborhood. Oh, they're you know? they're driving down from Soho. That's right. That's right. They're coming in from uptown. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it, oh. I, I I am enjoying the show. I'm just not enjoying it as much as Jessica Jones and Daredevil. The scene with Turk on the roof was the best. (laughs) I'm going back to Hell's Kitchen where it's safe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody disagreed with that comment. No. (laughs) I think that's all we can say without without spoiling, though. It's I'm enjoying it. I, yeah. I I can't say that it's on the same level as the other two, like Aaron said, but I also haven't seen the whole thing. So, yeah, it, it could get there. There was an image released this week uh, of Iron Fist, but I couldn't tell. It, was that anybody know if that was an official image or if that was just a fan image? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I believe it was official. Was it? Well, that looked badass. Yeah, with his uh, with with the glowing Iron Fist and whatnot. Are we talking about the same thing, Paul? Maybe not. I saw one yesterday, but I couldn't track if it was official or not. And, and in all honesty, I didn't spend a lot of work on it. Again, maybe I Paul saw the official one and Aaron saw a fan one. Yeah, because yeah. there was an official one released. Yeah, with New York Comic Con going on, but I don't remember him having a glowing fist in the picture that I saw. Okay, well, someone might have uh, photoshopped that in. Yeah, I, I like I said, I had drinking to do. I didn't have time to do any any solid research in that regard. <laughs> So were you able to comprehend the events that occurred in Superman number eight after all your drinking, Aaron? Well, you know, fortunately, I read that one on the plane. So, you know, I was fairly sober at that point. Fairly. <laughs> fairly. So Superman number eight came out this week, uh, written by Pete Tomasi and Pat Gleason, art by Doug Mankey. This uh, we talked about this previously, that this was the uh, their love letter to Darwin Cook, um, you know, who passed away last year or earlier this year, actually. Yes, earlier um, this year. So, you know, they, they wanted to do a, a, an homage to him. And, uh, you know, I, th- the question I have for you guys is, was it successful? Well, I have a question before we, we jump into that. How is this an homage to Darwin Cook? Uh, New Frontier. Did you read New Frontier? I did. So but I still a, don't see how that. So the, in the New Frontier, um, Darwin Cook has uh, the losers crash land on dinosaurs. Oh, um, and yes, you know, okay. uh, John Stone is the last one left, um, and he writes the story of the losers on the cave wall. So the, basically, this makes n- that aspect of New Frontier in continuity. Gotcha. Thank you. 
Thank you for connecting the dots for me, Paul. I'm not sure I'd make Jon Snow the last guy on the island. He knows nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, well, okay. So I I get that you didn't, you know, connect the dots when when reading the book. Um, But what did you think of it otherwise? I liked it a great deal. Um, You know, anytime you throw uh, dinosaurs into a book, I'm, I'm going to lean into it a little harder. Um, I enjoyed the fact that, you know, this was a, you know, Superman's son and their dog story. Um, <laughs> and I particularly got, was amused by Superboy, uh, telling crypto after he's spit out by a pterodactyl, <laughs> sure to get eaten a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he said what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm very curious to hear what Tim thought of this book because Tim, one of your complaints about issue seven, I wouldn't say a complaint. One of your observations about issue seven is that you were looking more for a Superman and son book and rather than a Superman family book. And this was very much, you know, a father and his son on dinosaur Island and their dog. Oh yeah. And their dog. And their dog. You ate my dog. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just can't believe that happened. No, I, I <laughs> um, yeah, this is kind of more what I was looking for, for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I liked some of the moments there, there's a moment where they're examining the, the, this, this tank that was there and he like seals it up because he doesn't want his son to see the bodies. I thought that was, uh, I thought that was a, you know, I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Um, I like the fact that he gets spit out of the fish, like a, (laughs) like he's been the hook. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was well, and I, I like the fact that you know Superman doesn't say, well, you know they're just they're just beasts. I can kill them, right? You know he's trying to he's fighting the uh, the dinosaurs without doing permanent damage to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah so New no, Fifty Two Superman would have just killed them. I think correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and a big and glorious you know, two page spread of fish guts flying all over the place. <laughs> yeah. No, I dug it. So is this a multi-part story? Because it sure does seem like they're not off the island at the end of the story. Yeah, I think it's a couple of parts. I don't know. I don't know how many parts, but um, I think it does say part one. Yeah. I mean, I I very much enjoyed this issue. I loved I'm always a huge fan of Doug Mankey art. My only concern is in some pages, it the way he the way he drew Superman looked completely clean cut. And other pages, it looked like Superman was kind of going for a goatee. And I don't know if that was him or the colorist. But, um, you know, I was like, does Superman have five o'clock shadow? And then the next page, no, 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 no. It's just the way he was drawn on that page. Uh, but other than that, I loved the art. I love this book. Um, I am so on board with this Superman book. It is, it is the Superman that I've been missing. Yeah. So I think I'm the only one that didn't love this issue. What? Really? Get out of here. Yeah. So my problem starts from the very beginning, the setup. This is what he's accepting as his kid's science fair project. I like, mean, like, an, it's like, like, like it's, it's too much or it's too little? It's too much. It's like you're giving away that you're maybe not that you're Superman's son, but you're giving away that the technology level of the project that they're putting together is not appropriate for a school science fair. Well, you know, I don't know if you build a boom box for your school science fair, I think you're probably going to win. Yeah. <laughs> no. So I had a problem with the setup of the whole story to begin with. It didn't really feel like it was going anywhere. And then it gets to their big reveal of the uh, the losers on there. And because I had never read the book, that didn't mean anything to me. See, and I think I mean it 
it seems like it was supposed to be this big, huge deal, and you're supposed to be amazed by it. And there's, if there was just an asterisk with something on the bottom that explains why that's important, I would have liked that better. Well, you know, I I used to read The Losers uh, back when I was a kid. It was one of the first comics that I read. You know, it was was right after I started reading uh, Superman comics. I started reading the uh, World War II comics that DC was putting out back then. And so The Losers was was a series of comics that I read. And I had completely forgotten about The Losers element in uh, New Frontier, completely forgotten about it. So when I got to the end of of, uh, this issue and I saw that, I was like, Oh, that's really cool that they brought the losers in. And what was really weird, and maybe I just had it in my head, uh, you know, subconsciously about the losers being in this book before I read it, about two days, uh, about Monday, you know, before, you know, the Monday before this week's new comic book day, I went out and I was looking to see if they had any of the original losers out on Comixology. Um, because I was just suddenly just like, yeah, I forgot I used to really dig those books. Um, yeah, you know, and I wasn't thinking about the Vertigo reboot, right? You know that they made into a movie uh, not too long yep. ago. But uh, uh, I, I really dug those old war comics, like Sergeant Rock and Haunted Tank, that kind of stuff. You know, and it's funny because um, I read an interview with uh, Tomasi and Gleason uh, leading up to this uh, issue, and you know, Tomasi said. It's, you know, we've tried it a couple of times. DC's tried to do the war that time forgot or, you know, try the haunted yeah. tank, tried to bring back these stories and they just don't connect with modern audiences. And I yeah. they just don't, you know, and it's, it's sad because I don't know how, I, I think part of it is the books just weren't very good, but at the same time, um, I feel like people don't really try to, to pick up or, or maybe you're just not interested in, in world war two era, uh, comic book storytelling nowadays. It's just not a thing. Right. No, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think that, that by and large, most current comic book fans aren't interested in a World War II setting unless, you know, we're telling some sort of alternate history about the Nazis, right? Um, I think, yeah, I, while I love a good, you know, haunted tank story, uh, I love me some Sergeant Rock and some Losers and, and all of that. Uh, I, I just, I don't think that, that there's much of an audience for it out there. I, w- I would give the first That's, issue a shot every time I give the first issue a shot. It yeah. just depends on the quality oh, no. of the story. But I will say to your point, Paul, I don't think that the new 52 books that they tried to launch were, were very good. Same thing with their with their Westerns. I think a good Western book would would do really well. There just hasn't been a good Western book, you know. They're, yeah, they're I mean, Jonah- and they've tried with Jonah Hex, but that's not uh-huh. really a Western book the way they do it. Well, it's it's more like a, I mean, I, to put it in uh, role playing game terms, it's more like a Deadlands story, right? Um, <laughs> and which is cool, but I haven't enjoyed the stories that they've told. I, you know, when I read Jonah Hex, I'm going back to stuff that was printed back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, yeah, because I the love the characters so much. It's just been so long since anything good's been done with them. Yeah, I mean, I particularly enjoyed Keith. I think it was Keith Giffen's run on Jonah Hex, where he put Jonah Hex in the future. You know, and those were were a fuck ton of fun. Um, yeah, which was why I think Jonah Hex would be great as a uh, regular cast character in Legends of Tomorrow. But that's just me. So you know, Wayne didn't much care for Superman, uh, but uh, Paul and I read, and Paul, I'm dying to hear what you have to say about Death of Hawkman. I feel like we're going to have differing opinions on this book. Really? Okay. Um, what are you, you going to say, Paul? Because you said you had words, and I, I was going to say, I actually thought it was okay. 
I, 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 no, I, I liked it. I, go ahead. I, I, I fucking love this book. Yeah, I was I was worried that I, you were going to, because you said I have words on it. And I'm like, no. how, did, how did Aaron not like this book? This is this is Adam Strange at his finest, basically, you know? Yeah, you know, this is, you know, it's called Death of Hawkman, but this this issue focused almost completely around Adam Strange. Um, and it is telling the story of uh, Adam Strange and Hawkman really almost looking like the last two survivors of a horrible assault on uh, Ranagar, uh, which is the the planet that uh, uh, Adam mm-hmm. Strange teleports to via Z- Zeta Beam uh, periodically to go off and be a superhero in space. Um, you know, we don't know what's happened to his wife there, his father-in-law, any of the any of the cast characters that we know. We just know that these two guys are wandering around a city in ruins, being hunted to death by hawkmen—not mm-hmm. hawkman, but hawkmen. Um, Thanagarians. It. Yeah. Yeah, Thanagarians. And you know, one of the things I I think that. We, we often talk about the legacy of stalwarts and comics like Jack Kirby and Stanley. But, you know, one of the unsung heroes, I think, somebody who doesn't get the credit they deserve is Gardner Fox, who created Adam Strange yeah. and Hawkman and featured on the cover but not in the book, Despero. And, you know, when you think about the the cast of characters that he created for DC, he – I mean – we always think about uh, Siegel and Schuster creating Superman. We think about, uh, you know, uh, uh, Bill Finger and who's his face creating Batman. Uh, Bob Kane. But, you know, <laughs> Bob, thank you, Bob Kane. Um, but, you know, when you look at the cast of characters that Gardner Fox created, he created Amazo, you know, the, the Justice League, the android that emulates the Justice League's powers. Mm-hmm. He created uh, Dr. Light. He created Dr. Fate. He created uh, Felix Faust, Flash, Jay Garrick Flash, and Barry Allen Flash. He created uh, uh, not just Hawkman, but also Hawk Girl. Um, he created Professor Evo, created the Justice Society of America, and because that worked out so well for him, he came back and created the Justice League. Um, he created. Uh, I'm running through the light here, uh, running through the list here. He created uh, – I'm I'm trying to hit the big ones. Uh, Owl Man, uh, Johnny Quick. He created Red Tornado. He created uh, the Royal Flush Gang. He created – oh, get this. He's the guy who brought us Martha Wayne and Thomas Wayne. Huh. Um, he he created uh, do, 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 some other things that, that you might not be as familiar with, such as Shaggy Man. Uh, Shaggy he Man. Crea- <laughs> he, he, he created Starman. Uh, he created uh, – and, and not just the first Starman but also the Ted Knight Starman. He created uh, Starro, the, the you know starfish villain from Justice League. Um, he created – Ultraman, he created uh, Weapons Master, <laughs> Winky, Binky, and Naughty. <laughs> okay. And, and then probably... Maybe we could just of- forget those. <laughs> and then he also created, be ready for this, Zaytana. So, uh, I mean, Gardner Fox, 
created a ton of stuff that we don't just enjoy in comics, but is also in our popular media today in terms of uh, television and movies. It's crazy to me the 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 amount of comics he created. This guy was born in 1911 and I think died in 1986. What a tremendous legacy he built for DC, and why we don't see his name up in lights like Siegel, Schuster, Kane, and Finger is uh, beyond me. I, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. So I I just I, I'm. Extremely number one, I loved this comic back to uh, Death of Hawkman. I am in the artwork was strong. Uh, I, yeah, I love Aaron the... Lepresti. I mean, he's like a cross. And here's the thing Aaron Lepresti is by no means like new to the table, he's been around quite a long time. Um, but you know, he doesn't, I'm and I don't mean this as a slight, he doesn't seem to get a lot of work that I read. Um, yeah, like I don't necessarily, I haven't seen a lot of Aaron Lepresti work in recent years. Um, right. but you know, if you took Andy Cuber, Adam Kubert, and mixed him with Dan Jurgens. You have Aaron yeah. Lepresti art. Yeah, no, it was strong. I, I, I've completely dug it. And you know, I just love. It, it seems like beyond this being the story of Death of Hawkman, uh, it does seem like they're leaning in hard on the Gardner Fox stuff because, again, Adam Strange, Hawkman, and Despero. Uh, you know, we see hints of Despero. We don't. We only see him on the cover. We don't see him in the book. But, you know, he's walking past a cell and it says Despero on it. And I loves me some Despero. Yeah, I don't know too. if you remember those those old Justice League Task Force stories, mm-hmm. but he was the biggest, baddest guy in that book. And I just I, I love Despero. He's just such an exquisite bad guy. And now, one thing, one negative thing I have to say about this book is DC made a big misstep by making it three ninety nine. I know I would it's agree. only a dollar, been... but for a book with yeah. these characters... Yeah. If you want people to give it a shot, who, you know, who who don't love the characters like I love Adam Strange. I could I'm not a big yeah. Hawkman guy, but I love Adam Strange. Um if you want people to give these characters a shot, you have to make your book $3. Yeah, I yeah. might have no, given I, it a I, shot I, if it were 3 cuz I like Adam Strange. I just don't like Hawkman, never have. Well, hopefully they'll correct well, that for future issues and maybe just the first issue was oversized, but still. Yeah, I I did enjoy the juxtaposition between the characters because you know, uh, you know, Hawkman's real balls to the wall badass guy. You know, he you know he, he'll walk in you know to to the to the gunfire and whatnot, whereas Adam Strange is a lot more. Hey, you know, uh, can't we all just be friends? Yeah, <laughs> and you know he'll deal out some violence, but it's not going to be gruesome or gory. Whereas you know uh, Hawkman's all about you know getting into the viscera of things, and so he's pulling arrows out of it and fishing out slugs from him and uh you know adam strange is about to lose his lunch that's yeah. pretty I, I, I liked the juxtaposition between those two characters yeah. so i'm it's a six issue miniseries and i'm definitely looking forward to uh to continuing with it me too me too thought it was good stuff so also from dc comics was the continuation of the night of the monster men in batman number eight and nightwing number six it looks like wayne is uh taking a break from the crossover Yep, I did not want to start buying other books, but I'm only reading one out of the series, so... That's a good I'd choice, not... Wayne. I, w- I wish I'd have thought of that last week. <laughs> <laughs> but, Aaron, what did you think of Batman number eight? Oh, God, I hated this book. I hated it with everything I had. I, I so don't care about them fighting these big monsters, and I'm out. I, I'm, I'm going to sit out the rest of this crossover. I, I think I'm, what, three issues into it? Oh, boy, I hated this thing a lot. I just... <laughs> I, it, I, it's so tedious. I, I'm so tired of 
of every aspect of this book. There was nothing in this book that I liked, Paul. Nothing. Not a damn thing. <laughs> I didn't dislike <laughs> the story um, as much as you did. In fact, I think none of them. I'm, I'm like, I'm not. I, I, I'm enjoying it. I would say um, I'm enjoying it enough. I mean, it's got one more issue. Honestly, Night of the oh, really? Number Six <laughs> co- comes out next week. Um, I think it's in the pages of Detective Comics, and then it's done. So, you, all you need to do is skip next week's Detective Comics, and you're set. Well, I, I what it feels like all the com- all the Battlefield conversation they're having could have com- been compressed into one issue. I, I the, the this whole time I'm like, these are the same kinds of things we talked about in the last book. You know, why hasn't why is this stretching into Batman when I really feel like some of these conversations were resolved in Detective Comics? Yeah. I just well, don't understand. You know why that, that is? It's because people don't read every issue, so they have to. So they re, <laughs> um, you know, yeah. they, they, they re rehash things for people who aren't reading everything. Well, I hated it, Paul. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. And the fact that I dislike the artwork so much. Uh, you know, it is such a break from what we were getting in Detective Comics and Batman. You know, this is a this is a guest artist or an artist for this arc. Um, and I'm just I'm not interested. Just not interested. I'm just not, Paul. You can't make me interested. I oh. won't be interested. Well, Don't I'm, even try. I, I'm, I'm not going to try. I'm not. I, I will accept your your disinterest of this storyline. And I Thank will you. read the final issue next week by myself. By myself. <laughs> in a corner, in a dark room. All by your lonesome. Yeah. It's Hope community service for something he did. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about one book that I'm done with. Uh-oh. Well, you know, I bought Future Quest this week, but I didn't get a chance to read it. So yeah, w- tell, tell me what's got you upset, Paul. This book sucks, Aaron. Really? This book is borderline incoherent <laughs> to me. And I don't know what the hell. It, I, it can't just be me because I understood every other book. That I read this week, but I read Future Quest number four and five to this morning, and and I I was like, what the fuck is going on? Um, it just seems like too much is going on. Uh, you know, it it it, it feels like too much. Um, it, it they, they, know, they need to Paul, slow it down it really, so I understand what the shit is going on. You know, Paul, it really says something when the Grant Morrison fan is confused by a book. I feel like it's just like, hey, let's just throw every fucking character we can at you in these first six issues. And it's like, well, can, can I get a little bit of time with any of these characters? Um, and it's nonstop action. There's like not even any time for exposition. So I genuinely don't know what the hell is going on. And on top of it, I don't know if it's always been planned this way, but there are like Doc Shaner does like four pages of art in every issue. And there's like a fill in artist for the rest. Except for the newest issue, I will say the new fifth, the new issue five, he did the entire first chapter, which was still only fourteen pages, and then they had a backup story. So we're only getting like fourteen pages of main story, and they're jamming as much as they can in to fourteen pages. It's just for me, the book is borderline incoherent. I'm not enjoying it like I wanted to. I wanted it to be fun. I love these characters. It just feels like they're not taking any time to to help me understand who these characters are today. They're, they're going on the premise that I should remember all these characters from 35 years ago or 30 years right. ago um, and just be appreciative that now they're on a comic book page and I don't need to know who they are. They're, I should already know because they, they're just not giving me what I need. Um, so I'm, I'm sad to say I think I'm I, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm out on Future Quest. I'm sorry, Paul. I'm, I'm not sorry, Paul. 
I took I took I took a little gallows pleasure in, in here. <laughs> on the flip side of things, what I am going to say, and it's not about the book that's on the outline, Aaron. Don't worry. Um, oh. Another book with a lot of characters that I did enjoy: He Man and Thundercats crossover. Oh, fuck you! So oh, good, God. so good. It was so good. I, lo- I loved every single line of art and word in this book. I sort of of feel like Paul is like an 80s robot and you just take one noun and another noun and he'll like it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, did you see the Cobra Commander flock of seagulls crossover? Yeah, it was the best. Oh, I would so buy that. (laughs) I know you would. (laughs) But yeah, I I, I love T-Man Thundercats. As much as I dislike Future Quest number five, I love T-Man Thundercats number one. It, it 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 fed my little '80s heart. Did did Lionel and He Man end up fighting on a roof in Brazil, and neither one lost because they were both badasses? Not not yet, not yet. I'm but out. Maybe, I'm maybe out. issue two. <laughs> hey, I, I, but you know what? Speaking of issue two, guess what? I won't be buying issue two of Aaron. What's that, Paul? Shade the Changing Girl. So let's talk about Shade the Changing Girl. This is the second book from the what? The Young Animals. Is that what it is? Yes, sir. Okay, uh, the 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 Gerard Way uh, imprint at, there at DC. The first one was Doom Patrol, a book I really wanted to like and really found it to be impenetrable. Um, I was curious about Shade the Changing Girl because I've all, I'm I'm a huge Steve Ditko fan. Steve Ditko created Shade the Changing Man. Uh, for DC, which had an original uh, run of about seven produced issues that came out uh, every other month and it was subject to the big DC implosion back in the 70s where they canceled uh, you know just a huge chunk of their line and so the eighth issue of the series that Steve Ditko produced wasn't released until it was uh, released in a series of uh, uh, can- uh, DC cancellation books um, so anyway I've always kind of dug shade the changing man. Uh, so I was curious about Shade the Changing Girl, and I will say straight up, this book wasn't for me. I did not enjoy this book. I thought there were some things that were really interesting about it. Uh, but I do recognize that this is written for a completely different audience than the demographic I represent. Yeah. Um, and I think that if you are in that audience, you will dig the living fuck out of this book. Um, I think, you know, I, clearly to me, uh, you know, the, the young animals imprint is skewing much younger than I am, uh, you know, like into the, the, you know, teenage 20 year old set. Uh, I, 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 and I suspect that if you are a little alternative, uh, in, in that age range, you're probably going to super dig this book, but it tells the story. Number one, Paul, I got to tell you the first page of the book had me. They totally had me because you have this this girl lying in in uh, in a comatose state and you've got this voiceover that's saying something like, yeah, yeah, this will work just fine. Just push her out so I can push it, push what's left of her out so that I can get in. And so you have this one consciousness forcing out this girl's consciousness and taking over her body and essentially possessing her. And I, I, what a great way to open up this story. Yeah, it was the rest of it. That lost me. Yeah, it was the other 30 <laughs> pages. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. was like, okay, okay. I mean, it's not that this book was incoherent, like um, no. like Doom Patrol was. This yeah. one, it's just, 
the 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 execution of it just didn't sit well with me. Um, I just didn't enjoy it. Like you said, it, maybe I'm not the target audience. Maybe I'm too old. Maybe I like my stuff a little more straightforward. Um, but it, it was just a bit too indie for me. And I and I like yeah, indie. There... But you know, when when you start incorporating song lyrics that actually break up the first person narration of your book, uh huh, yeah. Then then you've lost me because I'm like. You know, you have first-person narration, song lyric. First-person narration, song lyric. I'm like, I, I just eventually skipped the song lyrics so that I could read the fucking right. book. Right. Ooh, I well, have potty mouth today. Yeah, you do. Um, <laughs> we, we're going to talk to you about that later. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I thought the artwork worked really well for the Earth scenes, you know, for the scenes with, you know, the girl. Where I felt like the artwork broke down was in the depic- in the depiction of the aliens, you know, uh, there is, you know, the, 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 the presence, the consciousness that over, that takes over this girl's body is an alien from either another dimension or another world. And there are scenes between the aliens. In fact, that the, the scene that opens up with the aliens is <laughs> a, a rather interesting sex scene between, uh, two different alien species. Uh, which I, I went back and I, did I see what I just thought I saw? Yeah, yeah, I sure did. Okay. Um, there are some there, there are elements to the book that I think are really interesting. For instance, they reference the original character of Shade the Changing Man, which is Rack Shade. In fact, they quote him throughout the book, and that character is revered by certain people in that that population uh, in the alien population. Um, I, I, there are just there are parts of the book I'm like, yeah, and there are other parts of the book like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, I I felt like the depiction of the girl's mother and father is just a little two dimensional. Yeah, but again, I don't believe that this book is written for me. Um, it, there is a very mean girls sort of of uh, uh, through story in the book, and certainly you know, a big piece of the girl's backstory. Um, I. Again, if if you're the right audience for the book, this is going to be a totally in your wheelhouse, I think, I, because the, the, there this is a high quality story. Um, it's just not for me. So I can recommend it with a caveat, you know, that you've got to be the right person for this book. Yeah, exactly. And and the right person is not the uh, middle aged men that listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. You know, I, I, I I'm, I'm sad to say. You know, it, it is just compl- I am just not the demographic for this story, but I do recognize the quality. But, you know, speaking of a book that skews younger, uh-huh. I picked up Champions number one because uh, I, 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 I oh, go ahead. I am very interested to hear your review of Champions number one, because this is, you know, I'm, I'm really not reading any Marvel books that aren't licensed properties right now uh, other than Vision. Um, but I always enjoyed the original series of Champions. I'm kind of curious about this book. It wasn't curious enough to buy it, but I am really interested to hear your review of it. I really looked at the book and I thought about it, but I wasn't willing to pay the cover price for it. Yeah. So if it were a two ninety nine book, it would have got me buying the first issue. I really questioned buying this book. And I will tell you, Marvel, if I mean, like, how stupid do you have to be to see DC kick you off of the top ten? Uh, to 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 beat you in market share for the first time in years because they're producing three dollar books and release the first book of your new initiative at a four ninety nine cover price like who does that 
hey, you know, DC, yeah, they're kicking our asses right now uh, because they're releasing those $3 books. Hey, we have a, but you know what? We're going to reboot and charge $5 for the book. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> um, that being said, I still bought the damn book. Uh, <laughs> but they released a number of Marvel Now books, and this is the only one I picked up because of the cover price. Had it been, had they been $3, I might have tried some of the other books. Um, but this is basically the cost of two books, almost. Um, so written by Mark Wade, who I am a fan of, but I haven't enjoyed his Marvel stuff um, since he went back to Marvel. Um, and drawn by Umberto Ramos, who we got, who we know I'm a huge fan of, but Wayne is not. I picked up this book primarily because I'm, I like the characters. Um, it, it's young Cyclops, Ms. Marvel, Amadeus Cho Hulk, Nova, uh, now new Nova, um, not um, previous Nova, Viv Vision, and Miles Morales Spider-Man. And one of the things I read in preview pages was Ms. Marvel quitting the Avengers um, the Mark Wade written Avengers uh, with uh, Sam Wilson, Vision, and Thor. He she quits the Avengers in the preview pages, so I'm not spoiling much here, because there's a big battle that they have in New York. The Metro train is damaged, and the Avengers are like, "We stopped the wrecking crew. Let's go." And Miss Marvel's like, "Hey, um, like we should fix the train, <laughs> and and you know, and and fix this food truck." And Captain and Sam Wilson, Captain America, is like, um, well, we, we we can't. Stark's not here. None of us are engineers. Where would we get the building supplies? And there are unions for this kind of thing. And so Miss Marvel's like, are are you serious? We do all this damage and we never help the people out after we just leave uh, the damage in our wake and never help anybody. And so she quits the Avengers. And what I didn't realize is, in the pages of Civil War, uh, Nova and Miles Morales quit the Avengers as well. Because they didn't want to get involved in civil war and the fighting between uh, heroes, and so understandable, we didn't want to get involved in civil war and paying a penny for it. Yeah, we quit civil <laughs> war too. Um, and so they, they the, these young characters uh, team up to to start a new superhero team, and they pull in Amadeus Cho Hulk and um, Viv Vision. Cyclops doesn't pop up in this issue, but he's in the second issue. And I gotta say, guys, I really, really dug this book. Um, and it features uh, Pagliacci, the, the the clown villain, and uh, there's a, there's a clown villain called Pagliacci. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> I mean, he's not new. He's been around for quite a while. He, he wasn't invented for this book, um, but he's huh. involved in uh, slave trading in in this issue. Yeah. There's so, actually two. I, I, well, there's actually two clown villains. Is there Obnoxio or whatever? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Obnoxio. <laughs> Are they, uh, are they the ones causing all the clown riots across the country? They might that's be. Paul. That, that's yeah, Paul. That, that's Paul Iachi. Uh, <laughs> Show title. <laughs> You're killing me here. <laughs> so I really like this book. Um, you know, I, I like these characters um, in general. I'm not familiar with Viv Vision. I'm not reading the Vision book that you guys are. Um, but it's very much young superheroes. Uh, you know, teaming up like a Teen Titans or, or or that type of book, and so I loved it, and I love the Umberto Ramos art. If you don't like Umberto Ramos art, nothing he does here is going to change your mind. Um, it, it's I will say it's not as crazy as he got in some of his other books. Um, it's a little more subdued, uh, but I think that's just because the characters are younger, so they're not quite all muscled up and bulky. Um, they're all thin and, and young, so I think maybe. Wayne, the, the art may not bother you as bad. Uh, I, I enjoyed this book. I thought it was really fun. It's just a fun book. 
Um, you know, it's not too heady. It's not too serious. Um, so I'm on board for issue two. Now, if issue two is $5, I'm not on board for issue two. It, yeah, is, not a, it is not going to continue being a $5 book for me. I know Marvel's thoughts are they sell more of issue one, so they raise the price on issue one. But it's ridiculous because, like I said, I would have bought this book if it were two ninety nine. I I looked at it. I thought about it. I was curious. I liked the characters like Paul. I just was not willing to pay that much for a first issue. It's it's excessive. It is absolutely excessive. And it seems like Marvel have not learned their lesson over the last couple of months. But, yeah, uh, I, I still but, enjoyed Champions, number one. But, you know, the great news is, is that periodically Marvel puts all their their current stuff on sale for 99 cents. So, you know, right. if it is good, I can come back and pick it up at 99 cents later on and let Paul have spent the, the five dollars. to Exactly. Buy the book. You can buy five issues yeah. for the cost that I paid for one. Yeah, because, you know, like that Black Panther uh, first issue that that I think you and Wayne got into or you maybe you and Tim, uh, you know, that thing was four ninety nine, if I as I recall, and it's now ninety nine cents or at least it was yesterday on the Comixology sale. Hmm. So I hope that doesn't sting too hard. It stings a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Paul. That's okay. But what I am excited for is, do you guys remember when they had the 15-minute preview of Guardians of the Galaxy to try to get word out a yes, couple sir. months before the film came out? <laughs> yeah. This coming Monday, they are doing the same thing with Doctor Strange. Really? I had not heard that. And tickets are still available. Uh, so go to IMAX.com, because I'm pretty sure you can get them through there. Uh, well, by the time you listen to this podcast, it's probably already happened. Um, oh, yeah, because I won't re- release this thing for about a month. So, <laughs> <laughs> so oh, okay. um, Doctor Strange, first look, another 15-minute preview in IMAX 3D of the upcoming Doctor Strange film, which I was already excited for. Now, I will say the trailers, I, I think they're not, I think the trailers are focusing on making it look different than other Marvel movies, which I don't think is what the general public wants to see. I think the general public wants to see a Marvel movie. Um, so I hope it's still successful, uh, but I, 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 I'll, I'll get a better look at it after Monday, and we can talk about it next week on the show. Sounds good. Now, another thing that I'm excited about is this coming Tuesday, Shin Godzilla comes out, which is the... Is that a Godzilla that's only as, as Shin, Shin tall? Shin tall. You know, only comes up to just below your knee. He's an ankle-biter Godzilla. <laughs> no, it is the the newest Godzilla film that is actually that was produced um, in Tokyo. You know, in, in, the 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 you know there hasn't been a new Japanese Godzilla film since two thousand Godzilla two thousand. Um, right. You know, we've produced two American films since then, but they decided to take a break from Godzilla. So this is the new Godzilla film that was released overseas, getting very positive reviews, and for one week only, it is showing in theaters starting on Tuesday, October eleventh, and I am psyched. I think I saw an advertisement for this. Maybe maybe it was one of those like special event things that I saw because I went and saw Magnificent Seven last week. Oh, how was I that? seem to recall seeing yeah, <laughs> I really like Chris Pratt and he was a joy to see on the screen. Um I felt like Denzel Washington was sort of wasted in the movie. Hmm. Um I don't feel like he had enough to do, not enough interesting things to do. Um, I am a huge fan of the original film with Yul Brynner and Steve McQueen. Uh, and, I, I, you know, Yul Brynner and Steve McQueen are just two of the coolest sons of bitches on the planet. And, you know, you, you just can't beat that. I think Chris Pratt does an admirable job assuming that cool character role. I thought he was really not really good. They reimagined a lot of the characters, you know, to provide a more 
culturally authentic cast, uh, which I thought was great. Um, but all in all, I do not, while I felt like the film was entertaining, I saw it once. I don't need to see it again. So it's not something I'm going to pick up on Blu-ray. Um, and all it did was make me want to come home and watch the original Magnificent Seven again with Yul Brynner and Steve McQueen. You know, because the trailers look very good for it. I, I usually don't bother with remakes, but I've been tempted by this one because of the trailers. You know, I gotta so, say the I gotta come say the complete opposite. I want to see Magnificent Seven because of the cast and because it's a remake of this iconic film. But I see the trailers and you know they have like rap music or or some type uh, of modernized you know um, editing, and I'm like. It's the Magnificent Seven. Like, don't you don't need to mess with it. Yeah. Um, well, and one of the things that, that irritated the shit out of me about this movie is that the Magnificent Seven has a brilliant uh, theme to it from the original film. And it kind of reminds me of uh, uh, Mission Impossible, where they didn't break out the theme until like the very end of the movie, you know, to, to really use it. And that's what they did here. They didn't really use the Magnificent Seven theme until the end credits. And I was like, why would you do that? Because it is su- it is such an iconic theme. You know, it's an Elmer Bernstein theme. Uh, I, I just I don't understand why you wouldn't have have used that more in the film, you know, and used it to base some of the score on. But all that said, I Chris Pratt makes the movie. He, I mean, he's just a joy to see on the screen. You know, I've, I've enjoyed Chris Pratt and everything I've seen him in. Um, I just – it's – the the film as a whole is not nearly as good as the original. Well, that's a bummer to hear. But, I mean, I'll probably catch it on a matinee or something. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Well, I want to tell you what comes out next week, but it seems like not much. So I don't want to depress you. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, we got a new issue of Wonder Woman. I mean, you know, I'm excited about that. But uh, other than that, really, uh, you know, there's the new issue of Detective Comics concluding the Night of the Monster Men. A new issue of Superwoman, which you guys really didn't like issue two of. Maybe I will use next week to get caught up on my Scooby apocalypse because I'm I'm way behind on that. Jesus Christ. I enjoyed the first couple of issues. (laughs) Oh, Paul. So, Paul, are you all decorated for Halloween? I am not. I'm not because I was out of town, you know, and but I, I, I plan to do that this weekend. I got all my jack-o'-lanterns up last week. So. Oh, nice. Hey, I saw that on Instagram, I think. Yeah, yeah. I am. I am all pumpkined up. So. OK, well, you guys have a great week. And, uh, you know, I, I will endeavor to get our stuff posted on a more timely basis. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Can't be much less timely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Wayne. <laughs> That'll edit right out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Bye, guys. All right. You guys have a good one. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.